Season 2, Chapter 8 The Lake Neutral men are the devil's allies. E.H. Chapin The Lake His truck was old and basic. It had none of the bells and whistles of the sheriff's cruiser, and he realized now how spoiled he had become. This was a rough ride. The high beams were only a hazier version of his low beams, and the heat coughed out at random intervals, aided by the frost heaves that tossed the little Tacoma up and down like a hard slap on the back. Nathan was traveling alone. It was 2 a.m. The truck resisted fourth gear, but Nathan was patient and took his time with the clutch. He was making his way up the hill, up toward the farmhouse. He was anxious to arrive, which made the trip seem longer, and so he used the time to review every aspect of his plan. There were some unknowns, but if all went smoothly, he would be home by sunrise. In time, Nathan was downshifting and coaxing the vehicle to a stop. He grabbed his buckskin mittens, cut the lights, and left the cab. There would be no headlights to guide him this time. The old battery couldn't take it. Nathan had prepared for all of this. He clicked on his headlamp. The back of the truck was an organized collection of important equipment. The large plastic tote holding his chains and winch had been strapped down atop two planks, a deer sled, and a collapsible wildlife animal cage. All of it was held in place with assorted ratchet straps and two large boat anchors. Over to the side was a six-foot-long ice saw. He relocated the tote over to the passenger seat of the truck, cramming it in sideways to make it fit within the cab's tiny interior. He wouldn't need any of these tools until later, but he would need space in the truck bed. Nathan left the truck and climbed the snowbank, ducking under the crime scene tape as he crunched his way past the farmhouse, the barn, and the cider house. The night was starless and cloudy, more snow was coming. This was good. The ice house, constructed of rock and mortar, sat tucked back under the ancient maples that lined the back of the property. The shady location was designed to shelter its contents from the summer sun, but it also meant that Nathan had further to walk. The season's snow helped to accentuate the structure's domed roof, and as Nathan approached, he remembered visiting the orchard as a boy and fantasizing about the bearded wizard who might have lived inside the little hobbit house. But youthful wonder had long since left him. Now it looked like a mausoleum. The wooded door of the ice house was at last in front of him. He could make out the faded initials ACW above the latched handle, Amos Clyde White. Clyde's father had carved them there over 100 years ago. Nathan pressed down to release the latch and pushed on the door. The wrought iron hinges were not happy about the intrusion and responded with a rebel creak that echoed across the yard. Nathan winced, hoping he had been the only one to notice the sound. He dropped down and busied himself with the task of carefully removing the hay that covered the trap door. Nobody had walked on this hay in years, and it had to stay this way. Once the floor had been cleared, Nathan placed an ear down on the door. 
and listened. There was movement. He could hear the tarp crinkle and crack below him. He swallowed hard and lifted the handle of the trap door. Abram was supposed to be comatose. The constant feed of serum should have left him unaware of his surroundings. The IV dripped along, but Abram, the shadow, heard the night's noises, Nathan's footsteps and heavy breathing, the distinctive hoot of the barred owl that lived in the maples, the voice of the darkness calling to him, all of it. The sounds entered his consciousness and floated there like the distant buzz of a bumblebee on a hot summer day. He could hear and smell and see, but what of it? Keep the nectar flowing, boys. He loved this feeling. Indeed, Abram was not unconscious. He was high, and when the trap door opened above him, he watched with some amusement as a beam of light shone down from above and scanned the space. His response was to stretch his body side to side like a full-bellied baby cradled on a cloud of warm milk. Nathan looked down at Abram's face with disgust. On the one hand, he was relieved to see that the medication was working, for he had expected to find his prisoner awake and fighting the restraints. But on the other hand, seeing Abram's peaceful smirking angered him. Abram wasn't supposed to be enjoying himself. We'll see about that, Nathan thought. Nathan's hands straddled the opening, and he dropped down feet first, landing with a thud just to the side of Abram. The ivy bag was more than three-quarters full, and the related equipment was all there, remarkably undisturbed. Nathan tugged on the restraints, double-checking that everything was secure, and it was. Next, his big hand followed the tubing up from Abram's forearm until he found the orange plastic roller clamp. He rolled the little wheel closed with his thumb, squeezing off the delivery of medication. At the opposite end of the space was a wooden apple ladder. Sheriff Randall repositioned it under the trap door and leaned against it. He checked his watch and waited. Within forty minutes... Abram was talking. Well, hello there. Have you come to make sure I'm nice and comfy? Yup, Nathan responded matter-of-factly. Abram did not want to be disturbed, and without the slow drip of that silky sedative, he could feel his skin prickle and his joints throb. I wonder if you understand how much danger you're in right now, Sheriff. Being here alone with me is risky business. Abram only had to wait until Nathan came a little closer, and then he would do what needed to be done. Hmm. Not here as the Sheriff. I'm here as a friend of Faye's. Oh, were you two dating? Abram taunted. Who knows what you hicks do for kicks up here. That old hag tried to blow me up. Blew herself up instead. Ruined my hair, as you can see. Abram's tone was obnoxious and provocative. Yup, Nathan said again. He wished with all his might that Faye had not ended her long life alone with this vile piece of shit. 
He was looking forward to settling the score. Turn the juice back on and leave me before I show you what it's like when I'm not on my best behavior. Abram hated the pain. He wanted it gone. He hinted at the IV with his eyes, but Nathan ignored him, and so he focused on Nathan. I can hear your heartbeat, he whispered, and his voice penetrated Nathan's clothing, burrowing into his pores. All right, that's enough. It's time to move, Nathan thought, and he leaned over to release the flow of medicine. Sleep tight, asshole. His own language shocked him. His anger shocked him. The honey was flowing again. Abram closed his eyes in relief and groaned with pleasure. With Abram freshly doped, Nathan unlocked the restraints. He hoisted Abram's ugly body up and over his shoulder in a fireman's carry hold and then grabbed the IV bag from the hangar, tucking it into the back of Abram's pants. Once they were out of the ice house, he double-timed his steps back across the yard. Abram was unnaturally heavy for such a slender build, and he smelled of vomit, ash, and sulfur. It was a relief to arrive at the truck, and he dropped Abram onto the frozen road so he could work. As Abram went down, his head whacked against the tailgate. This secretly pleased the sheriff, but he took no time to gloat. Nathan had a tiger by the tail— and he knew it. The task of assembling the cage took only a few minutes. It was rectangular, with thick wire bars and a thin metal base. He had used this cage only twice before, once to relocate a small nuisance bear further north, and another to transport an injured coyote 100 miles south to Gray's Animal Farm. Now he was stuffing Abram into it, folding his legs in tight up against his chest before reattaching the hand and wrist cuffs to the entrance door. The IV tubing had curled and twisted like some alien umbilical cord. Nathan straightened it and then tied the bag to the top of the cage. Once everything was covered and strapped down, he spun the old Toyota around and drove away. The darkness was silent. Abram had been warned. There was nothing to do now but watch. By the time Nathan arrived at the boat access trail, the snow had started to fall. He grabbed the ice saw and followed the path to the frozen lake. There were several more trips between the truck and the ice before he was ready to retrieve the cage. Finally, he jumped up on the truck bed and removed the tarp. Abram only moaned as the metal enclosure slid down the planks that were positioned against the tailgate. Still using only his headlamp to light the way, Sheriff Randall dragged Abram past the hand-carry-only sign and out to the center of the lake. Waiting for Abram was an impressively meticulous rectangular opening in the ice. It was only slightly larger than the size of the enclosure. On the left and right side of the hole were two large boat anchors, each attached to a short chain. Nathan reached down to connect the chains to the back of the enclosure, and then he positioned Abram directly along the edge of the opening, only inches from the water. Again, he found the roller clamp and closed off the flow of serum. The spring snow was fat and sticky, 
and it was covering everything with a fresh layer of pure white. The sheriff removed his mittens and checked his watch. Then he sat down on the ice. This part of the plan was important, and he was prepared to wait for as long as it took. Abram had to be awake. Are we there yet? It was the pain that eventually roused him. Abram tried, in vain, to shift his body as he spoke, but the cuffs would not allow it. The dawn was approaching, illuminating the lake with muted shades of gray. Recognize this place, Abram? The sheriff's voice was deadpan. You can't kill me, sheriff. Abram's voice was different. He sounded worried. Mm-hmm, Nathan agreed. I know. He reached up from his spot on the ice and removed the IV bag from the top of the cage. He held it low, making sure that Abram could see it. And then, with one quick yank, he ripped the tubing from Abram's arm. Next, he stood up and unceremoniously kicked both anchors into the water. They sank quickly, dragging the corresponding chains along the thick rim of the opening like a fast-moving train. He held on to the front of the enclosure as the anchors pulled down, rotating the cage back until the prisoner faced upward. The black and soulless eyes of Abram White stared up at the sheriff, searching for some weakness that he could exploit. He found nothing. Nathan exhaled slowly as he considered all that had led him to this moment. This is for Fay, he said, and then he let go. As the cage disappeared into the inky water, Nathan looked away. There was nothing about this evil parasite that deserved any more of his time or attention, and with that, the job was done. The great green branches of the fir trees nodded in approval, and the wind whirred, eager to refreeze the top layer of Abram's grave. The snow was there to handle the cleanup, and soon all would be as it once was. We will take it from here, the mountain seemed to say. The final phase of the plan was to rush home, change vehicles, and get back to the station. He moved to gather his tools but found to his surprise that he could not leave the lake. Instead, the sheriff dropped back down onto the ice, and he cried. The Lake, written and performed by Bridget Emmons. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Main Stories, or visit my website at BridgetEmmons.com. Thanks for listening.